near and nearer to Easter, as was just mentioned. Uh, maybe a, another date that's been looking forward to uh, about three weeks or so away from the end of the school year. Uh, over the last number of weeks, uh, we have been walking through on Fridays this concept of life restored. Over the fast, last five weeks, we have seen how Jesus has intervened in the, intervened in the lives of those who desperately needed restoration. There was Nicodemus in spiritual searching. There was the woman at the well who was ashamed and alienated because of her sin. There was the man whose body was broken. Another who was blind. And there was Lazarus who was dead, not just figuratively, but literally, in the grave, buried, dead. And all of them received from Jesus restoration. Not just in taking care of physical ailments or earthly concerns, but in receiving the very promises of life and salvation from the one who has the very power to give life. But all of these amazing interventions, they serve as preludes to what Jesus had his eyes set on accomplishing the entire time. These were only precursors of an even greater work. If we could imagine an even greater work that could take place. Just watching the screen. The man knows that for its purpose, the wood he chooses must be strong. He knows of a certain woodland area that holds trees that will be old enough and strong enough. And he's willing to travel the distance. He carefully inspects the trees, looking for those that can hold the weight of a man and yet be carried by a man. He finds the one. To the untrained eye, it is no different than the other trees. But he knows it is up to the task. Satisfied, he brings out his tools. They are well cared for. As the man knows, nothing but the sharpest axe and the straight, strong teeth of his saw will bring down the tree. The man works methodically, destroying to create, to destroy again. The final purpose of all his careful handiwork does not escape him. fashioning an ancient instrument of torture used throughout history for the humiliation and degradation of its victims. Crucifixion, evidence of man's inhumanity toward man, is quite possibly the most painful form of execution.
Death by asphyxiation and cardiac arrest can only come after hours of pain. A result of torture, limb dislocation and nails piercing flesh and wood. condemned to death by crucifixion, the victim would be forced to carry his cross to the site of his death. He wonders if he, young, vital, and strong, struggles to lift this cross, how much more would the condemned, having been beaten and tortured to near death? together with rope, crude but effective. can he have for his friends that he laid down his life for his brother finally he would be hoisted up to hang in shame while he awaits death Tired but satisfied, the man surveys his work. Rough, the cross is a functional replica of the executioner's instrument. Transformed now into the ageless symbol of life everlasting. execution. Fully God, he fulfilled his promise and rose from the grave. Changing history forever. Changing history forever. We think about how he changed the history and the course of the world, but Scripture would remind us that it's our history, it's your history, and it's my history that was changed on that cross. You see, whether we are a people who are spiritually searching or are ashamed, alone, and alienated, 
Whether we are broken in our bodies or in our hearts or in our minds or in our spirits. Whether we are blind to our sin or blind to the possibility of hope or life. Because we all were at one point dead with one foot already in the grave because of our sin. Jesus says, I came that you may have life. As we're confronted by the painful toil and sacrifice that was made by Christ, it may only open our eyes to the, all the more of how undeserving of that kind of life, of love and life that we are. It may only further raise doubts that this life that he came to bring could actually be for us. But Jesus reminds us time and time again, I came for the lost. I came for the broken. I came for the sick. I came for the rejected. I came for the ashamed. You see, to believe in Jesus Christ is to profess, He is my Lord, who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person. That He has purchased and won me from all of my sin, from death, and even from the power of the devil. And it's to say that he did so with that precious blood, with that innocent suffering, with his death. There's a song whose words say, how should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart, his wounds have paid my ransom. Jesus would call us to look at what it is that he has done. How it is that he took a symbol of death and humiliation and degradation and execution and he changes it to that ageless symbol of life everlasting. Life restored. And he gives us an invitation to recall and be reminded and to be reminded that even in our brokenness he gives the promise of life. By his grace and in his mercy and through his love, he has paid the ransom. And that all these things, the miracles that we read about in those stories and the events that came up to this point in the account, was all to point to this cross. A a cross that we hang uh, in, in churches, that we put on the outsides of buildings, that we even wear upon our own bodies. A reminder of how it is that Jesus changes death to life. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Lord Jesus Christ, we do give you thanks for your willingness to be obedient to the Father's will, to demonstrate your love and the power that you have to give life by giving up your own life. And we thank you that you have done that for each of us. And as we struggle, Lord, in the midst of the circumstances of our world and our lives, we pray that you would constantly gather us to you. That by your Holy Spirit, our faith in you would firmly grasp the promises that have been given. That in us, life has been restored because of your life that was given. We pray this all In your name, amen.